Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in on Wednesday. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. A lot to get into. Some Husker Hoops news. We'll talk with Jacob Padilla a little bit uh, closer to 5.30. Get Jacob's thoughts on this right kind of bubble, potentially, for Nebraska basketball end of November, early part of December. Elijah and I will share some thoughts on it. Mike Babcock's 20 minutes away. Get his thoughts on the incredible Gale Sayers. Sad that uh, NFL legend, native Nebraskan, passing away today at the age of 77. One of the first guys I took, you know, just took notice of and went, whoa. Just, as a kid, I'd watch a lot of NFL films and I'd always catch the NFL Films episode, there are probably lots of them with Gale Sayers doing his thing. And I was like, oh, as a kid, I'm like, oh, Gale Sayers is from Omaha. Gale Sayers went to Kansas. Why didn't Gale Sayers, Michael, kind of lay it out how, like, the one in the state of Nebraska that got away in the early 60s. But uh, thoughts and prayers to the Sayers family. Uh, so we'll we'll talk some football and Gale Sayers with Mike Babcock. Uh, tough news with uh, Mike Shuart. Shuey is just absolutely slammed. So we will have to wait a week to talk to Mike Shuart in Wilderness Ridge. He's got the youth program going. He loves working with kids. Good on him. So we'll, t- we'll check in with Shuey next week. Brad Edwards in one hour. College football insider with ESPN. SEC kicks off some meaningful Big 12 games. Get some thoughts schedule-wise when we look at CFP and the projected three-and-a-half win total for Nebraska with the uh, the FPI and ESPN. As mentioned, uh, Jacob Bedilla coming up. You can dial us up at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, also email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So let's lay this out. The Husker bubble. Uh, could happen. And the original plan, and uh, this was supposed to go on down in Orlando, the 2020 Myrtle Beach Invitational. Well, uh, that is not going to happen. And Nebraska said, you know what? Let's just have our own stinking tournament. Let's do our own thing. 16 teams, potentially, between the Pinnacle Bank Arena and Devaney Center. The season tips off November 25th, and that that could be 
that weekend. It could be the, the first part of December. And this is really thoughtful by Bill Moose, the Nebraska Athletic Department, the staff, and it needs to, to, to be rubber-stamped by the Big Ten about allowing non-conference games. But this makes a, a world of sense. And, and think about who you can attract, but more importantly, why Nebraska went this way. They have rapid testing. All right. They have rapid testing. They have rapid testing to offer everybody who invades the great city of Lincoln. And it's from a proximity standpoint. Do you want your kids jumping on a plane or do you want them uh, jumping in a, in a couple of cargo vans or bus and and traveling? And if you're the city of, of Lincoln, <laughs> let's high five. People will be staying in hotels, uh, which is awesome. People will be spending money. Now, we'll see what needs to get cleared with uh, health and in, in the uh, state side of things with fans in attendance. But who knows? Could be, could be positive. Could be a first step. Maybe football already starts having fans by, by November, right? So maybe you get some fans in the arena or the Devaney Center, and it could be a win-win. So who are we drafting, Elijah? From the Big 12, who are we picking from the SEC? Who are we thinking about from the Pac-12? What can we do with the Mountain West? What, the, what about the Missouri Valley? How about the WAC? Uh, give me a little bit of thought on the West Coast Conference. Here's where I'm going. And, and you can either agree or go a different route. But if I'm going Big 12, uh, my first two choices are, are going to be Kansas. I'm sure Kansas is... Uh, tied up with something, but you got the Big Ten ACC challenge already that, that's going to be part of Nebraska, right? So give me Kansas, or for old time's sake, bring in Iowa State, and a third choice would be Kansas State. Maybe even a little shock in Texas. I don't know, but I'm just throwing that out there. Oklahoma's always good. Give me Missouri from the SEC. Kentucky'd be sweet, but Missouri and Nebraska, it's been too long. It's been too long since Missouri has made their trip up to Lincoln. If you could get Dana here from Oregon in the Pac-12 or Arizona, that'd be sweet. Mountain West, get Craig Smith back here with his squad. Uh, Missouri Valley, Wichita State, no-brainer. They're usually pretty good. Uh, West Coast Conference, uh, Gonzaga or I don't know, BYU, they always got three-point shooters. So those are just some of my uh, initial thoughts. But you, you, you got a lot of options. And then from the Summit League, uh, you can either ask South Dakota State or talk to your bros at UNO and get them here. And this thing could be wild. It could be the start of something beautiful. For years, we drive through the snow and get to the Devaney Center, and one out of every seven years – uh, you had the early tournament by games where Ohio U would come in, the Pella Windows Classic, or whatever it was called. But one year they had Gary Trent Jr., which was sweet, or it was Gary Trent Sr., excuse me. Gary Trent Sr. came in and it was good. But for the most part, uh, those were, were just games that Nebraska would host and win. I, I grew up going to. So I think this could be big time, big time winner for Nebraska. And uh, we'll see who Nebraska can reel in. I'd like to see some Lincoln kids get back to Lincoln and play in front of the Nebraska crowds. I'm talking Oklahoma State. See if we can get Donovan Williams back up in Lincoln, get him playing. Uh, 
from North Dakota State, Sam Griesel. Sure. Went to Lincoln East. Give, give me some Lincoln kids you have some that went elsewhere. You, you, well, you have, uh, you have Simpson up at South Dakota. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he's nice. He went to North Star, correct? Yeah, he's he's awesome, and I think he's a senior by now. I mean, I feel old. I think he's a, a redshirt senior. <laughs> yeah, he might be, but no, I mean, there's a lot of Summit League kids, absolutely. And then I, I think your take on Kansas is great because Kansas is going to draw the eyes. It's going to draw maybe some TV dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure what a, a TV rights deal would look like for this, but Kansas would be awesome. Obviously, K State looking close to home. I agree with you on both of those. Um, Iowa State'd be fun. Iowa State would be fun, and you know what? I know we got, already got Iowa later in the season, but throw Iowa in there, too. Put them on the other side of the bracket, though. Okay. No, I mean, listen, the NCAA is allowing schools to play up to seven non-conference games. Uh, you can fill out the, the rest of the schedule with some bye games. Then you're going to have a 20-game league, 20 league schedule in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. So there, there's plenty of wood to chop in the Big Ten. It, it, it's sick that... Sparty had that loaded of a team a year ago and didn't get to go make a run towards another Final Four for Izzo. But you wonder what you know Michigan's looking like. Ohio State seems to be pretty solid. You, you think eventually Indiana's going to get back to being Indiana. I know Iowa's big time. I mean, they're, they're really good. Um, remind me, did Luca declare or not? He's coming back. Okay, so Iowa's like for real. Like Iowa's probably a... Yeah, Luca Garza was the one of the best players in the no, country. He, he, he is. No, he he is. But I'm just saying, Iowa's got shooters, and then they got that dude. So Iowa's probably one of your early favorites in the Big Ten. I cl- forgive me, but I have not gone full basketball mode yet. But this is really awesome with the opportunity here. A lot of work to do to, to lock in some schools. But think about the travel. Is it nice to go to the islands? Yeah. Is it nice to go to Orlando? Sure. But from a bubble standpoint where a lot of these schools can jump in a bus, which I know bus travel sucks, but you can just relax a little bit over the Thanksgiving Day break and you're you're having daily antigen testing provided by Nebraska. That's that's a no brainer. I know Lincoln's no Myrtle Beach, but we got Capitol Beach. You do. And <laughs> the difference being is you can play hockey on it potentially that time of year versus feel the sand in the sun uh, with Orlando. I know Orlando's pretty landlocked, but there's lots of beaches around there. So I don't know. I, I love this. I love the fact that, you know, a third-party entity would host it due to legal and liability reasons. But Nebraska would be bringing eyeballs, people, fans, money, and uh, commerce <laughs> to uh, a region and city that, like a lot of places due to COVID, has been backhanded because of it. Restricted numbers, fewer dollars spent. The rail yard's incredible. I mean, that'd be that'd be that'd be so much fun. And just to boot, while we're asking for the world, while we're asking for Kansas and Wichita State and Oregon. And, and some who's who programs. Let's just ask for 60 degree Thanksgiving weekend. It's been five years since we've had one. We might as well just ask for really good weather. I mean, I, I'd love we're, that. We're, we're going to be in Iowa City that week. We, I, I hope we are in Iowa City that weekend, but Nebraska will be in Iowa City towards the end of November. That Black Friday, you do Black Friday, you get things kicked off. 
maybe the Wednesday before Turkey Day. I don't know. I'm just doing math out loud here from a date standpoint. Give me fair weather until the middle of December. I don't want any more stories about sleeves this year and who's wearing sleeves in pregame warm-ups and who's not. Well, be tough. <laughs> Vaseline up. Did you wear sleeves? Uh, Whenever I rode the bench, I did. Okay, but if you were playing, you didn't. No, of course not. No, you didn't have to. It's a toughness thing. Also, high school football in Nebraska ends at the beginning of November. So You're right. Well, there you go. There's your update. We'll have some more thoughts from Jacob Padilla. Who, who's legit? Who can Nebraska go recruit to come here? I like your take on Oklahoma State. Number one player in the country. Yeah, Kate Cunningham. And, and then you have Donovan Williams. So that'd be pretty, pretty nice for Nebraska. Uh, let's get into some of what the Moose said last night on the network with uh, the Big Red and specifically schedule. Nebraska getting a tougher draw. I'll say this, and I was kind of eyeing things, and we talked this about this with Pizzo a little bit, but I know Nebraska's schedule's difficult, right? When you look at trips to Iowa City, uh, when you look at a trip to Columbus, just even though there's no fans, it's still playing away from home. You do get Wisconsin at home. You do get Penn State at home. That's all good. You do get Minnesota at home. But I'm looking at what Wisconsin's got to jerk with. They have to go to Iowa. They have to go to Lincoln. They have to go to Michigan. So Wisconsin's going to be rock solid. They're really good. You know that. They're deep. They're talented. They're phenomenal on the lines of scrimmage. But they're not going 3-0. and they just, I just don't believe Wisconsin will go 3-0 and with that stretch. They might go 2-1. and I don't believe they go 1-2. and But I don't think Wisconsin goes 3-0 and with their road stretch. I just don't. Um, Iowa, uh, I know their crossover. I think they've got, let me pull it up here when I look at Iowa's schedule. I know they have Penn State. They do. So, I mean, uh, so everybody out of the West has... Uh, a tough crossover. Uh, when I look at Iowa's crossovers, they've got Sparty, and then they're at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and that three-game stretch of Minnesota, Penn State, Nebraska is pretty a tough three for them. Honestly, it is because I mean the, you, that's what's going to determine you. Yeah, right. Minnesota, that game's got huge implications in the West between Iowa and Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, and then that Penn State game. Penn State's probably number two team in the Big Ten this year, and then Nebraska's a rivalry game. That's three straight games that are going to be probably filled with a lot of emotion for that Iowa team. That's tough. It is, and Minnesota. I mean, they start off. With Michigan, okay, that's not easy. They're uh, also in Lincoln. They're also at Wisconsin. They host Iowa. They host Michigan. Do they go four and zero in that? Yeah, you have a pretty good placement situation for for Minnesota. Where yeah, while you do open with Michigan, you uh, your back to backs aren't brutal. I mean, Northwestern can really bite anybody. They've shown that. Purdue, <laughs> what Purdue team do you get? You're going to get somebody that's going to end up with a with a two or three win mark, all right? But they're going to end up knocking off somebody that raises your eyebrows. Wisconsin's tough. I'm wondering about Indiana because they end up they, out of the East, right? I'm, I'm wondering about Indiana with their quarterback play and their skill guys and what they've got defensively. But they, they open it up hosting Penn State. They get to host Michigan. They're at Ohio State. They're at Wisconsin. Second, could, could Indiana make a charge up beyond fourth? Could they jump a Michigan or a Penn State? 
Uh, Michigan, you look at their schedule. I mean, yeah, they're out of the East, but their crossover is at Minnesota. <laughs> and they host Wisconsin. That isn't easy for, for old Jimbo. So, in retrospect, retrospect, you look at Nebraska getting who they get to open up, and two of the first four games are that crossover situation, and these are the two top teams. It's No one's got a tougher crossover than Nebraska, but a lot of the teams out of the West do not have cakewalks, even within their own division, when it comes to are you on the road, are you at home. It's a little different animal being on the road this year with no fans, at least as we talk now. But Wisconsin, we'll see. We'll see how they fare. We'll see what Minnesota does. And uh, with Iowa, I mean, they've, they've got some challenges as well. But Wisconsin, man, they got some tough road games, uh, assuming it – it gets loud at some point. Mike Babcock's on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in uh, four decades of excellence covering Nebraska. Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity Magazine. HaleVarsity.com and MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, how about this bubble situation? A pleasant bubble talk here with Nebraska basketball, potentially. How are you? Yeah, well, I'm good. I'm good. And, uh, yeah, you got uh, you got it all set up. You got the teams that they ought to bring in here. Although I think you had more. You probably named more good possibilities than they than they're going to have, right? Well, I did. I, I mean, why not try and over-deliver? But th- there's, you know, I don't know what, what Kansas's uh, itinerary looks like that early in the year, my friend. But it's it's it, it happened not long ago. There was a home and home with the Nebraska and in, in I know it was Sprint Center, but uh, you had KU coming to town here. That was a December game. That was awesome. I don't know if you can get uh, KU up here again, but Iowa State would be juicy. K State and Weber's money. I mean, I like Elijah's take on get Donovan back here for. For, with, with Okie State, that'd be fun. I mean, uh, let's uh, let's find uh, and fly Stacy King in. Let's bring Oklahoma. I mean, we can do a lot of things with some of the the Big Twelve slash Big Eight or Texas and and Shock would be okay. But you know, wh- what are you thinking uh, realistically uh, from some of the team names? I mean, who do you think you could get? Because you got to go kind of land some teams now. You know, I don't know. I, I really don't have a good sense of it. That's why I liked your discussion there because, um, what, what? How many you can, you can play? What uh, non-conference? You said, was seven. Uh, seven. So you know, a lot of those teams that you're looking at, they're looking at the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, we we've only got seven. Uh, how are we going to pick them? What are we going to do? Uh, you know, I like. I like the possibility that Nebraska could get a couple of those that you mentioned. Um, that would make it make it uh, attractive, certainly. But uh, um, it, it's just, you know, it's like the football schedule. You know, uh, some people were complaining about the way that that shook out. But when you're looking at, you've already got six opponents identified, and mm-hmm. then you pick two from the other division. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes into that to make sure that you get something that's uh, fairly competitive. So um, I'm looking at the same thing with basketball. I, I think that it's going to take um, 
some thought, and you're going to have to have some cooperation from some of the teams that you want to bring in here. Um, because I don't know, you know, maybe some of those teams are looking at it and saying, well, you know, who can we schedule the – can we schedule a couple of wins in the non-conference so we can get ready for the, for the conference season? Personally, you know, you'd like to have just a really competitive – uh, uh, situation rather than bringing in teams that you know you could beat. But um, I like the ones that you identified as any of those are possibilities. And I'm, they, they probably are, but again, it depends on what they're looking at too because of the limited schedule. What was that tournament we'd always end up going to and hosting in the early December? My, oh. my, it wasn't the Pella Windows Classic. It was the something classic. Yeah, I forget. I remember. I remember going to some of those. Games. No, I know. I folks that always go to Kansas City leave us with a babysitter and a sweet parking pass, and that was Friday and Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I say I remember some of them. I went to all of them, but I remember <laughs> some of them. But not. I remember the Gary Trent year, which was yeah. good. But that yeah. was that was it. But uh, it'll. Yeah, this is not going to be something. No, I know. This, like that. No, this will be way better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, again, you've got to, you've got to. Uh, I think look at something that's competitive when you've only got seven non-conference games. You got to, you got to uh, test yourself. Mike, I want to switch gears, and I got to squeeze in some thoughts from you now on on Gail Sayers. Did you have much contact or interaction with Gail ever? Uh, no, I never. I, not really. Um, the interesting thing is, my father-in-law is. Uh, my in-laws are from Chicago, and my father-in-law is a huge Bears fan, okay. obviously. And I remember, this is something I should never do, but I remember Gail Sayers was here for some event, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so afterward, I uh, I talked to him a little bit. I wasn't there as a reporter, actually. I think I was there as a reporter, but I don't think I wrote anything from it. Mm. Uh, but but anyway, I talked to him afterward. I had the opportunity to do that, and and I asked him if he would sign something for my father-in-law. So I got That's cool. I had uh, his signature from my father-in-law, who was uh, very happy about that. Although he has uh, he didn't see very well anymore, sure. so it's not you can't look at it and say there's Gale there's autograph but it was uh, the thought that counts though babbers yeah, and you got yeah. the the signature from the kansas comment did, did vanny ever bring him up uh you know there's the thing was that uh, not getting gail sayers was was one of the final nails in the coffin for uh bill jennings as far as the head coach you know he's you know specifically he had a difficult time getting the best players in the state mm-hmm. and particularly gail sayers when gail sayers went that was a big there was a big flap about that, um, you know, that he couldn't get Gale Sayers. And, and Gale Sayers, you know, that Champaign Central connection, uh, he was one of the uh, few Central guys that didn't get here. You know, yeah. they had, they had uh, 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 Joe Arduna and Amon Green and Keith Jones and and uh, Leotis Flowers. And, I mean, there there was just quite the run of uh, Calvin Jones, uh, just a run of uh, Central guys. Uh, but uh, but the one that uh, you know was really important at the time in recruiting was uh, you know Gale Sayers and uh, Bill Jennings didn't get him so and then, you know then he runs the uh, runs the big uh, touchdown against Nebraska here although Nebraska won the game uh, 
I don't think Nebraska ever lost to uh, Kansas when Sayers was there. But uh, what a what a tremendous player, uh, both at Kansas and, and in the National Football League. Mike, Gail Sayers, a little bit before my time, but I know that his kind of legacy is a career cut short by injuries. Uh, I never got a chance to watch him, obviously, but do you have any memories from his playing career that you could share with me? Well, you know, just general, just the general sense of watching him. And, and I, you know, when I was back in the day, um, it, it was kind of irritating for me, but, but we got the opportunity to watch. It seemed like we got the Bears every week. It was Red Grange and, and uh, some other guy I used to tell you the other name that uh, were the play-by-play and analyst people on the, uh, on the telecast, and we got the Bears every week. So you got an opportunity to see Gale Sayers, and uh, he was just so special. And he, you know, he just he just could glide. It just I don't, I don't know how to describe it. He he was just uh, uh, a really you could see his talent. Um, and uh, you know, it was unfortunate his career was cut short. Uh, but uh, yeah, there was never any you, ne- you never any question that he was going to be a Hall of Fame uh, type player just because of the you know watching him you you saw that brian song the movie the original with uh james con and, and billy d williams is that one of your your favorites oh yeah and, you know the brian uh piccolo and, yeah. uh, and gail Sayers. That, that was a great uh that was a great story um i think i have the book somewhere um but uh yeah that you know that was a that was a significant thing, and it, you know that's something that's probably Elijah. It's difficult for to put that in context. If you know, if you if you weren't part of that time, just mm-hmm. because you you don't understand the mindset of what what things were, and uh, to have those guys as roommates and be as close as they were was was really something, really a, a, a an example of how uh, the world should be. Mike Babcock's with us, SaleVarsity.com and magazine at MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers, uh, a thought here as we get closer to, to pad time, uh, the end of September for Nebraska. We've kind of touched a little bit on the schedule. And, you know, from an optimistic standpoint here, I'm not going to ask you for a win total here, but but what are you most excited about with, with Nebraska? Not only are we, yes, we're playing, that's exciting in itself, but just as we, we try and put together and hope for a, a, a full slate of eight plus one, right, the, the, the nine games, what are you thinking you can see uh, in a positive sense from Nebraska this year? Well, for one thing, I, I think Nebraska all through this thing has, has, done thing has done things the right way. I mean, I think Scott Frost has approached things in a, in a positive, uh, appropriate direction so that I don't think that it's as much of a – a mentally challenging thing for Nebraska to kick back into gear when it looked like maybe there wasn't going to be a season um, to the fact that you're going to play eight games and then the eight games plus one. So that, that, that's a positive, I think. I think Nebraska has prepared itself as if it were going to play, even when there was a lot of doubt that there would be anything to play. Um, so I think that's one positive. I think another positive is that you know, this is this is year three for Scott Frost, um, and it's a little bit difficult to evaluate as year three because it's not the same thing um, because of everything that's happened. But 
but has had an opportunity to recruit to the you know what he wants to do offensively and defensively. Um, his, his players, the veterans' players, have had an opportunity to see what the system is supposed to be, and the recruits have been recruited to a system. So I think those things coming together, I, I think that makes for an exciting uh, outlook on uh, on what's going to happen. And then, you know, the more I look at it, the more I think Ohio State-Nebraska is a logical first game. I, I was looking at the NCAA.com schedules, and there, right now there are already two games uh, scheduled for Fox Television uh, in, in the Big Ten, Nebraska, Ohio State, and Ohio State-Michigan. I mean, I, I think two of the three teams that led the charge to get football played, and they're opening up the season. I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. And I think Nebraska, because it's prepared uh, throughout, is in a position to be competitive in that game. I don't disagree with you. I, I think there's some confidence that guys that are now going into year three, some guys played bigger roles than others in that first year in Columbus. But, man, I mean, that was, that was right there for Nebraska. Last year was last year. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. You, you well, get, it's a new year, but you've got, you've got some positives to draw off of in your career. And the other thing is, that, Smitty, I mean, it, it's really exciting to watch Wandale Robinson. I yes. mean, I don't want to just pick out one guy and say, you know, this is what's re- a reason to be exciting. But he, he is an exciting player. And I don't think there's going to be as many demands on him, you know, sure. uh, so he can do the things that he does best and uh, not get beaten to a pulp. Which mm-hmm. you know, he took some serious hits last year and was out there a lot. And uh, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to to, to seeing him uh, in year two. Mike Babcock with his Babbers. We'll talk next week, Bud. Thanks for the time. Hey, be safe, guys. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Okay, the SEC gets going this weekend. We'll have Mike Leach with us tomorrow. The Pirate will join us as we'll be live from Seacrest ahead of Southeast and Lincoln East, the battle for Lincoln. Can't wait for that. Uh, we'll talk to the Pirate. We'll get into some uh, NFL injury news and notes with Jock Docs. Uh, Dr. Ben Woodhead coming up. That is good. Uh, Jacob Padilla will join us to talk Husker Hoops. We'll get his thoughts on who could be part of this uh, this bubble tournament. End of November, first part of December. And uh, more football with Brad Edwards. Let's dive into some NFL, though. And uh, Tampa's 1-1. One and I think there's a lot more Nebraska fans eyeing Tampa, not just because of Brady and Gronk down there, whether you like or hate New England, but you got Big Sue and Levante down there. Some thoughts from Indomitian Sue as uh, Tampa turns their attention to try and move off of that one-and-one mark. And uh, it's not real often Sue speaks, but when he does, it's pretty insightful. And uh, here is Sue. And he, listen, he, he's got to put the old helmet on and do his thing. But it's really weird for him, as he commented today at the Tampa press conference. It's just crazy not having people or fans in the stands. 
it's definitely just a different feeling. Uh, but overall, you tune those things out and you uh, are a professional and you go after, go out there each and every single play and try and make uh, a stamp on the game. And that was my particular goal and is my particular goal each and every single uh, time I'm on the football field. More from Sue, and this is Indomitian talking about the, the Brady effect, and not only do you have Bruce Arians down there and uh, B.A.'s uh, a party, but he's also a soundbite. Guy's fantastic. But you have that offense that needs to catch up, but if Tampa wants to kind of solidify themselves with New Orleans, Atlanta looked close to being one-and-one. One. Like obviously, they blew it against Dallas I mean, Tampa's got a, a real chance here. Uh, New Orleans looks mortal now, especially after losing in Oakland. Carolina's done. I, I'm going to go be the 18th person in the pool party here to say Carolina's in trouble without McCaffrey uh, out, you know, four to six weeks with that high ankle sprain. So the time to, to motor forward is now. But Brady, super important to where Tampa wants to go. Tom is pretty mild manner, a uh, good guy, good teammate. Uh competitive fire but uh it was definitely a fun battle us having fun with them on the defense side of the ball and getting after them so uh overall i would say it's a great opportunity to learn from somebody who's obviously uh had a great career uh and continues to play at a very high level so lots of things for me to learn uh as well as confirm as i've gone against him multiple times and been on the opposite side of of good and bad where are you at with tampa are you are you still hesitant in this first year where a lot of us were all in on them, understanding it would take some time, but you got Fournette there. You got two really sweet tight ends, all right, in Howard and in Gronk. You got Brady, of course, but you got Godwin and Evans. I mean, you're loaded on offense, but you need to be better on offense. Their defense has been stout. There was a really cool moment where Sue smoked some guy forced a fumble, and Levante recovered his second fumble. Levante had a forced fumble and fumble recovery. But it's really cool seeing those guys on the same team. You just missed – they missed each other by a year in Lincoln. Your 9 defense didn't need any extra help. Uh, as great as Levante is, if you could have had Sue in 2010, that would have been – that would have been fantastic. But Sue, if you think about it, I mean, the guy's 33, okay, 10 years in. The only time he's missed one game in his career is due to suspension when he had a little <clears throat> fit and went stomp if you remember that. But otherwise, he's been super durable. And, and while he's not putting up rookie numbers, he has gone to five Pro Bowls and he's been all pro four times. I mean, that's almost 50% of his career on the interior. And he's shown the ability, and it was just not long ago where he took over a game against New Orleans in that uh, championship, NFC championship, when he was with the when he was with the Rams, him and Donald. That was a great defense to watch. So Sue still has, to me, a lot left in the tank. I mean, I still like the Buccaneers in the NFC South personally. I, the Saints, I think you're right. The Saints look mortal, and we saw. I mean, the Raiders are a good team this year. That's a team that's going to finish second in the AFC West and have it, a shot. It helps wild not card. having Thomas to throw to. Let's call that out too. Mm-hmm. honestly but when you look at the other teams yeah the falcons their secondary can't stop anybody this year their secondary no. is borderline atrocious they've already allowed 80 points this year just about the, the buccaneers should be able to at least do enough with their defense 
to beat them twice this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Panthers should be an easy two wins again this year. Sure. Uh, it's going to come down to the Bucks and the Saints in the NFC South, and I don't think it's going to be two teams making the playoffs. I don't, I don't think... You think Tampa and New Orleans? You don't think two from the South make it? I don't think so. I think the NFC's got some some tough races for the wild cards this year. I guess, I don't know, it's still so early in the season. But you got to think, in the battle of the old quarterbacks between Tom and Drew Brees, I, I think Tom's better. I, I, I think Tom looks a lot better. I think you're right. I'll say this. When we're talking, and this is just two weeks in, so we're, we're way ahead of it, but I'm interested in it. I think San Francisco's in a lot of trouble with their injuries, first of all. That's a team that's probably going to get the wild card, but yeah. Well, I, I would not rule out Seattle and, and Arizona. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the Rams look phenomenal. I say those three go from the West. I think San Francisco misses the playoffs because of their injuries. I think you just get Green Bay. The Vikings have looked atrocious. Yeah, they're they're bad. They're not they're not going to the playoffs this year. I mean, we could get three teams in the NFC West. It'd be crazy, but with well, three they, different they, wild three cards, of, three of them made it not that long ago. I mean, you had the Rams, you had Seattle, you had Arizona. Yeah, you have those three. You're, you get a seventh team this year, don't you? Yes. You get Green Bay. You're probably going to have Dallas. Philly's a joke right now. New York's horrid. I don't put any money in Washington. I guess Philly could flip it around. And then you get then you get Tampa and you get New Orleans. Could we see four teams from the NFC West make that would be absurd, especially because they all have to play each other twice. Yeah. But that looks like the best division in football right oh, it, now. It, it it is and it has been. And And it's only gotten better this year. No, I mean just that, that jump that that Murray's taken. He's fun. Getting DeAndre Hopkins for Murray was the best decision any team made this offseason. Well, and I'll say this, too. I mean, David Johnson's looked pretty good with the Texans. He's looked back to David Johnson for him. Do we have time for the last thought from, from Indomitian? Yeah, we do. Sue is continuing to chase that ring back to him being 33. Uh, I still think he's got a lot of tread on the tires, despite his Ironman ability. But uh, he's pretty excited about the roster he has and where they can go. Yeah, the internal expectations is always to have an opportunity to play at a high level uh, and go after uh, ultimately a ring. Uh, That's why I came back uh, knowing we had a great uh, young core and secondary strong linebackers and a great defensive front uh, that can affect the quarterback and stop the run. And we want to continue to prove that each week. Uh, And then being able to add in Tom Brady as well as Gronk and uh, a lot of the other assets that we have in Mike Evans and and whatnot on our team. Good squad. I mean, he just named a bunch of pro bowlers. Quite a few Hall of Famers. We'll wind down hour one. More college football thoughts. What happens in the SEC? Some Big Ten perspective. Brad Edwards on the way. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Got a good surprise last night. Picked up Chinese for the fam. Burnt my mouth because I'm fat and I couldn't wait. But I'm, I've got like two crab rangoons shoved in my mouth because I'm gluttonous. And I get, a, get, I get a text. Where can a guy and his dog get a beer? The Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, a surprise visit, as he calls it, into God's country. So I met Billy D in the rail yard, not real late, but for a, a quick beer. 
It was awesome. Surprise. Where can a guy and his dog get a beer? I said, fire up the rail yard. I'll see you under the cube. Went down there. Popped by our friends at Longwell's. Buy one, get one half off. Had a couple, couple pints. Went home, went to bed, and let's get, get up and do it again today. But it was good to see him. By dog was he referring to you, or did he actually have his dog with him? He has his dog, Scooby. Did you shaggy, see, shaggy, shaggy? Did you see that Bush Light has actually made a brew for dogs? It's it, really? it's, it's not beer at all. It's got like bone broth in it and stuff. But it's like <laughs> it's beer for dogs. Yeah, it's it's beer for dogs. It's got like they make the cans and they have like a whole bunch of like special dog stuff with it. It's kind of kind of a fun little thing there. That's just, cool. Now, if, if I'm grilling. Or I'm just sitting out back. Gertie's the vodka hound. I'll set a vodka down, and next thing I know, half of it's gone because she's slurping it. If I set my beer down, Roz, the the fat one, will like. The only thing she doesn't do is grab it by the neck and and tilt her head back because she's <laughs> licking around. If I've got a beer, you know. And their tails are vicious. They do it on purpose. They try and spill whatever drink I bring out. Maybe they're trying to tell me something. Hey, Dad, don't drink every night of the week. Or maybe they're just trying to tell you they've had a long week. <laughs> what are they whining about? <laughs> yeah, they sit at home all day. They, they get half the bed. They get all of the bed. Uh, let's talk about moving, because someday I will move away from those two flea bags, although I love them. Uh, West Blue Realty, man, they do such an awesome job when it comes to uh, specializing in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities. If you're looking to move in 2020, uh, we advise you to check out West Blue Realty. When you mention Hale Varsity, you can save up to $1,000 with the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby. Tom is fantastic at what he does. Give Tom a ring today at West Blue Realty, 402-540-3768. Or contact Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly's awesome. He's there to help as well at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. You can log on today, westbluerealty.com. Get an appointment, uh, talk to them, and if you're looking to find uh, that maybe that next house up, or maybe that final house, or you're just looking to to find some more room, WestBlueRealty.com, eleven twenty K Street, Suite two hundred. Uh, West Blue Realty also does an amazing job. When it comes to agricultural land, they have uh, been able to purchase and sell land uh, all over the uh, great state in Nebraska, Lancaster, Odo, and Seward counties. They can handle uh, things from live auctions to sealed bids to general land listings. They also have an auctioneer, westbluerealty.com is uh, where you log on and uh, go see the folks there. We'll hear from Brad Edwards, man. He is smiling because... Yes, it's it's another weekend of college football, but brother, it's going to be some meaningful college college choking up meaningful college football as you've got maybe some upsets in the works. Brad Edwards on the way. It's Hale Varsity Hour Two presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Talk some uh, college football. And we say hi to College Football Insider with ESPN College Game Day. Brad Edwards with us. Find him on Twitter at jbradedwards. Brad, some better games on the docket this weekend. Is it starting to feel more like college football's back and here? I know we've had games previous. I know that was a bit of a track meet with Miami and Louisville, but some intriguing matchups this weekend, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. You're in, You're right. Um, just getting more teams back in the fold, it's going to make the day feel more like a normal Saturday just because the, the, the number of games has been so sparse that at certain points in the afternoon where, you know, there might be one or two games going on and neither one of them uh, is really that competitive, you have nothing to watch. And, and that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's never the case on a normal fall Saturday. There's always a game somewhere worth watching. Uh, it's funny, my, my mom, who lives in Mississippi, told me that last Saturday she actually left the TV for the first time. Her guess was the late 80s was the last time that she had left her TV on a, on a fall Saturday to go do something else. But that's, she said that's how bored she was with the, with the games that were on TV. So uh, hopefully that won't happen anymore. I know, I know that's, that's an unusual thing for a mom. Um, but, um, but she loves her college football. No, that sounds uh, that sounds awesome, man. That was a good household, brother. If uh, if you're watching football that much, that's good stuff. I, I'm just interested to, to kind of get your thoughts here. As uh, Saturday, we got done with our weekend show, and of course, game day had uh, had Harbaugh. They had Ryan Day. Uh, of course, uh, Justin Fields was on, and the spotlight was on the Big Ten with the the schedule reveal. There's been some interesting thoughts uh, as to the league and, and their uh, their present to Nebraska uh, with their first four out of the gate. But I think a lot of Nebraska fans are like, all right, let's just see what this brings uh, Nebraska. And I think the, the FPI reconfiguration here, you got the eight plus one schedule, has Nebraska anywhere between three and four and a half wins. As you take a look at, at Nebraska's schedule and how it's stacked, you know where do you uh, where do you see some some maybe over delivering by Nebraska and where do you see some sobering reality for Nebraska as you look at their uh, their slate in twenty twenty? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the, the the thing is that they did basically just flipped it on them uh, where it, you know previously it was the back end of the schedule that was the killer and and now it's really more the front end and. You know, you, you could be cynical and say, and I'm not saying this is completely wrong, but I don't think there's any chance that it's accurate, that the Big Ten said, hey, you know what? You wanted to play. You, I mean, you wanted to play so bad that we're just we're going to make sure that you get your money's worth right out of the gate. So uh, uh, they, they did. They did for sure. Um, of course, the other thing about this is, is that we have no idea what it's going to take to get into a bowl game this year. It, it may turn out that just being willing to play in a bowl game is enough to, to get an invitation. I don't know. But um, although it does appear that there are going to be more conferences getting back in now. So who knows? Maybe maybe 500 will be required. Although it, it, just, it still seems like they're going to have to take sub-500 teams. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I do know that if you're um, if you're wanting to come out of the season more, optimi- more optimistic about next year, 
you know that that generally comes from how you close. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, maybe it's better off for Nebraska that the schedule sets up this way that um, that they can feel better about themselves as the season goes on. Of course, the other way you could look at it is that given how disjointed the the off season has been for everybody, um, and we've seen you know some teams that have come out and have have really looked rusty. I mean Oklahoma State. Last Saturday is a great example of that. Real bad. That um, who knows? I mean, maybe maybe Ohio State or Wisconsin in one of those first two weeks is just you know they're they're just out of sync, and uh, and maybe Nebraska is is a little bit more ready to play than they are, and could, you know give one of them a, a better game than in, than expected, and who knows? Maybe have a chance to win. We'll see. You know, I want to go to Wisconsin because. This is the year you want to, for now, get your road games, right? Because there's no fans. It's not as hostile. It's just weird. You're, you're still right. playing yeah. on the road, but it's just weird. You know, uh, having 100 people in, in the, the shoe isn't a bad thing, and most of it being players. Uh, I want to see just where Nebraska stacks up. Nebraska, Ohio State, the two loudest teams. You've got uh, a national audience that'll check you out on on noon or eleven o'clock central anyway uh, for that first game. Let's let's see where you're at. I mean, it, you don't think it. You pray it won't be as bad as as last year. Uh, you pray it's something closer to to two years ago, right, where you were yeah. within five points. But what's your what's your early feel in a in a weird year on Wisconsin? I, I look at their crossover. While it's not Penn State, Ohio State. They still have Michigan. They still have Nebraska. They still have Iowa, all on the road. I mean, it's it's not a it's not an easy slate for a lot of teams in 2020. But Wisconsin's got some tough road games in a uh, theoretically you're not at home, right? So it's 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 a little bit dis uh, disjointed, even with no fans. Yeah, and of course Wisconsin's one of those teams that they have such a a, a good advantage at home that um, not having that anymore is going to hurt them, I think. Uh, and, of course, Nebraska is the same way, that the, you know, the, the, the teams that have the bigger support at home are, are going to be hurt more by the, the current environment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, going to Camp Randall, that's, that's not going to scare anybody this year, um, you know, like, like it normally would. And, uh, in fact, we were, we were already talking about that. Maybe you and I will get into this in a little bit. But, uh, you know, our – our friend, the pirate, is going down to uh, to Tiger Stadium to play LSU this weekend, and, and playing at Tiger Stadium, it's it's not what it normally is because because you don't have that that home field effect. So, you know, when I when I look at Wisconsin, though, I think that the key game is is the fourth one at Michigan. Um, th- that's the one that if they get through that, then then I can I can see there being a pretty good chance that they're going to go in and uh, you know. At least get it get into the latter stages of the season with a chance to be undefeated. And look, I know the, the the ideal scenario for the Big Ten is that you've got Wisconsin and Ohio State both unbeaten going into the conference championship game. Or I mean, you could even argue Penn State as well because mm-hmm. Wisconsin doesn't play them either. Um, but one of those two teams um, uh, from the East, if you get an undefeated versus an undefeated matchup uh, in the Big Ten championship game. You don't have to worry about any scenario where you get left out because you didn't play as many games as you know somebody from one of the other leagues, which 
which is a distinct possibility uh, given everything that just continues to happen week after week with games getting canceled and, and knowing that the Big Ten doesn't have any open dates to, to make them up again. So I think it sets up well for the conference. Um, but, and for Wisconsin, like I said, I, I think the, uh, the, the biggest one is going to be week four against Michigan uh, is what I see as, as the, the test as, as to really how good they are. You know, I think the dream scenario for Nebraska, you get Wisconsin and Lincoln, you get Penn State and Lincoln, uh, and uh, you're at Northwestern in between, and you open with Ohio State. Starting out two and two'd be be all right with uh, four potentially winnable games, right? Uh, I mean, Iowa's always tough on that Black Friday, but we'll see where Nebraska goes. You mentioned the Pirate. We're talking to the the Pirate tomorrow. We'll we'll have him on, and all right. I'm anxious to see what he's going to feed Mike the Tiger. You know, because he's a he's a big Tiger King guy, and he's he. <laughs> He's interested in animals, but how did, did you see what he said today? I, I did. I did about uh, yeah. the uh, the the grandchildren and grandmothers flipping off uh, the uh, Kentucky team bus. Right. Well, yeah, and his and his his first trip to Tiger Stadium, where he saw the you know Mike in the cage, yeah. the, the live tiger. Yeah, and he said he just wanted to make sure that that you know that there was someone in between him yep. <laughs> and the tiger, so so that if it did get out, it was going to kill someone. Else. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah. I, I think he'll uh, he'll uh, he'll have someone else carrying some red meat in front of him. Is, is, right. is where he's going to go with it. Yeah, he, he's he's going to be practicing plenty of social distancing, I think, with with that. But no, what do you give Mississippi State? this weekend down at LSU. I mean, LSU's phenomenal. They're loaded. I, I'm interested in watching the chess match because there were always really pretty good games between the Pirate and Bo. I mean, Tech did well against Nebraska, but you've got him as a defensive nut. And I mean, that is a compliment. And the Pirate's an offensive nut. And I love watching those two play chess with one another. I mean, is this... Is this a tougher opener than people realize for LSU based on all they lost? That's what it is. It's it's the unknown for LSU. Um, I, I think there are a few layers to it. I mean, the obvious is how few of the key players from last year are back. And when I say players, I don't mean just the, the, the roster mm-hmm. of guys on the field. I'm including the coaching staff as well um, because, you, you know, you, you lose – uh, Brady, you lose uh, Aranda, and so I mean maybe your most important assistant on each side of the ball, and then on top of it, you got all those guys drafted, and you have a few other guys, including you know maybe the best receiver in all of college football, opt out. So they're they're looking right now at at two returning starters on offense. Um, I think it's three on defense, and and they've got another guy who played a good bit last year who just opted back in on the defensive line. But still, uh, you could make a great argument that no team in college football history has ever lost as much from one season to the next as LSU has from last year to this year. And um, you put that on top of the fact that there's always an issue with defending national champions being as motivated as they were the year before. And then especially – um, when when you combine both of those things with just how disjointed everything has been as you as you try to address those issues in the off season with you know with reps for the for the guys who are going to be the new starters and it's just 
it's been a mess. Um, and so if there was, you know, if there was a time to catch him, like we said with, uh, with uh, Nebraska, look, if there's a game that, that Ohio State might not be ready or might be out of sync, it's going to be the first game. And the same thing would be true for LSU. They, they've still got a bunch of four- and five-star recruits out there on that field. But they haven't played together. A lot of them haven't played much college football. And this is the time to get them. And uh, even though Pelini has seen his fair share of Mike Leach, most of the players for LSU, in fact, I would be willing to bet all of the players, have never really seen this type of offense before. So this is, this is a new thing. And, and K.J. Costello, the, the quarterbacks, the transfer from Stanford, mm-hmm. so they haven't seen the QB either. So um, there is an element of surprise there that uh, could work in Mississippi State's favor on top of all those things that you would figure – are, are just not ideal for LSU. Brad Edwards is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brad, Alabama is the presumptive favorite down in the SEC, but it's it's pretty loaded behind him. you got Georgia, LSU, Auburn, Florida, Tennessee, um, Texas A&M. I feel like I could still be missing some. So who else in that SEC do you think could make a run at Alabama? Yeah, th- there's always a great question with that, where the SEC has so many teams that – recruit at a top 25 level that that you would think that that would mean that there are any number of teams in a given year could challenge but as we know Alabama for the last 12 years or so has they've they've done something that really is unequaled in the history of college football which is they have not not only have just been consistently excellent but a, a big reason that they've managed to do that is that they've avoided being upset by a team uh, with, I don't want to say lesser talent, uh, because, sure, they've lost to a few teams with a little bit less talent, but they, but they haven't lost a game. Like, like we saw Ohio State, you know, two and three years ago, um, lose to Purdue, lose to Iowa. Alabama hasn't lost a game like that. Um, in, fact, in fact, it was, I think, 2007 was the last time they lost to a team that was ranked outside of the top 20. So I mean, it's it, it's their their ability to to not drop a game that nobody saw coming is uh, is pretty amazing. And even even teams that recruit at a high level have a hard time staying on the field with them. And that would be a team like A and M, you know. Um, so I just given the track record, it's so hard for me to come up with teams that I think could legitimately challenge them. And and Alabama on Monday released its depth chart. Uh, first time that they've done that this year. And uh, it was, I was really interested to see what names might be missing, and there are none. They're all there. Every player that you expected to be key for this team is on that depth chart, and they're in the spots that you expected them to be in, which means we would assume that they haven't had any significant injuries in fall camp and that they have not uh, had any significant opt-outs. And so they appear to be playing with a full deck, whereas pretty much every other challenger in the SEC has lost some players along the way, whether those be to injuries or opt-outs or, or you know, massive issues with, with guys missing practice due to COVID-19 and all that stuff. Um, but right now, uh, Alabama feels like a pretty overwhelming favorite in the SEC. Brad Edwards, ESP and Insider College Game Day. Full slate of games this weekend at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter is where you follow him. Brad, we'll uh, get caught up, and it's good to talk some ball with you. Thanks for a few minutes today. 
You got it. Take care, guys. I'll See talk you. to you next week. All right. There he is, Brad Edwards. Good to get caught up with him. We'll talk again, Mike Leach, tomorrow, the pirate, down on the bayou. I might borrow some money from Elijah and just put all of it on Mississippi State for the outright win. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Good stuff from Brad Edwards. Tomorrow, remember, we're at Seacrest Live ahead of East Southeast High School Football at 7. And we'll have our dear friend Mike Leach on, the pirate ahead of LSU Mississippi State. Welcome in uh, Hoops Insider with Hale Varsity, Jacob Padilla. Always great with volleyball coverage and, of course, Husker football thoughts at Jacob Padilla underscores where you find him on Twitter. Jacob, did you get some of that bubble wrap and stop start start popping like we did as kids to celebrate this uh, this uh, proposal here where Nebraska could host a myriad of teams? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm going to hold off on the celebration until I see who is actually in the field and if they can pull this off. Because right now, it seems like not just Nebraska, but it's everybody in the college basketball world is scrambling to put together these these events and kind of figure out how to. Uh, Sort out their non-conference, and um, I guess what I guess um, didn't necessarily get an indication this was coming before, but it totally makes sense that Nebraska would try to do this, knowing kind of their testing capabilities and how confident the athletic department has felt about um, the way it's handled everything since the pandemic started. Well, and, and Bill Moose, you know, he made some comments not long ago that. Hey, we're, we'd be open to it. Well, let's put a plan into action. So as, as you view it, what's the likelihood of getting 16 teams from, from, from some power five leagues, but also some who's who or the group of five? Who, who do you think? I mean, and, and Elijah and I were talking about this. Like, there, there's a wish list, yes. It'd be cool to get Oregon here. It'd be great to get Kansas here. But... Listen, they, they may be spoken for somewhere else. I You know, everyone's scrambling like you touched on. Who could you go after and maybe get a yes from? Uh, say you're organizing this, Jacob. You're a smart basketball dude. Who are you making phone calls to first? Yeah, that's that's the question. I have, like you mentioned, there's some um, that are already scheduled to be part of other events that are some that are also like Nebraska looking to create uh, events at their their own site uh, at home, um, so I I haven't really dived into a uh, um, kind of a dream list just yet. I'm still trying to figure out all right who's I guess who's a free agent if you want to put it that way in terms of does uh, aren't already scheduled to play in a um, another empty like Creighton for example mm-hmm. um, that that would be an easy team to involve. But as of now, they're still uh, planned to. Um, participate in the uh, the Battle for Atlantis, which is being moved and rebranded uh, up in the Pentagon in Sioux Falls. So they that would uh, fill their MTE, and you only get um, one of those. So um, that that would take Creighton out of the mix unless that kind of falls through, and um, would you put them in this tournament instead of the, the normal just one-off game against each other? Um, so that that's that's kind of what we're looking for, but I, I'm assuming they're going to look at the the nearby Summit Lake schools, obviously the Dakotas, um, 
uh, UNO um, would, would, I think, uh, I'd, at this point, I uh, would be very surprised, I think, if Omaha wasn't involved in it, sure. um, considering um, the, the ease of travel for a program that's already kind of cash-strapped as it is. Um, they can get in there and get their games in and uh, not have to worry about traveling across the country like they t- typically do every year. And um, considering that the cash payouts this year are basically only going to pay for travel and not really give you kind of the bang for uh, um, give you the reward for scheduling those games. So um, I think you try to you look into some of those uh, some of those um, old Big Twelve schools like Iowa State. Uh, we'll see kind of uh, if Horberg wants to reach out there and if they want to try to get them involved. Um, you can look the, the other direction over in the Colorado. We've got a couple schools over there. Um, so there, there are a lot of schools in the region that you can certainly start to reach out to. And uh, I, like I said, it'll depend on how how many of these teams are um, still kind of looking um, to, to fill out their their non-conference schedule with an event like this. I guess my question, I guess I'm wondering how exactly the format is going to be for a 16-team event and um, the number of games and just kind of how is it just going to be a 16-team bracket? How does that impact? Because um, typically these MTEs, you get three games. Um, so um, like three games max. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see kind of how this whole thing plays out in the next few days as they – they try to get this solidified. Do you, you could put a little twist on this, and I've not scheduled tournaments since like my fifth grade Tecmo tournament with all my my first cousins. Uh, so uh, bear with me here. But you could you could have a, a top four seed right that have a buy, and then you could do it a double elimination where teams would would get a max of. You know, two. You know, at worst case, you get two games. Then you you kind of survive in advance, and it's a mini tourney before you, you get into your conference season. Uh, with Wichita State, there is this something they would would look at or think about? Do you think? I don't have any clue what their non conference was supposed to look like. I don't know where they're slated to be at, or even what's returning. But they're traditionally really good. Okay, and. What's what's their interest level? I know you mentioned uh, Colorado schools, Colorado out of the Pac-12. CU's been pretty decent. Do you make a phone call to Craig Smith and his squad? I mean, they were they were dancing again uh, until things got shut down. And then you know, with K State and Iowa State, Elijah brought up you know the Donovan Williams factor in, in Oklahoma State with uh, with with what they got down there. Is that an option? I don't know. I think this could work. And you you have you know four four brackets so to speak or, or four you know in A B C and D and you split it between P B A and, and Devaney and you, you go to town with it and hopefully from a from a COVID standpoint it's okay to let some fans in we're at that point in a couple of months where you know folks can come check it out yeah and it seems like Nebraska's kind of leaving that door open I'd still I wouldn't bet on that um, happening just based on how everything's played out. Um, I, I, um, they're, I think they're going to leave that option open for fans. We'll see. Um, don't know if that time of the year would be a great idea and to pack people into an indoor arena. But <laughs> I, I guess it'll depend on um, kind of how things are at the time and how exactly 
the, what number they're aiming for and all that kind of stuff. So um, we'll see. They're kind of leaving their options open. Like I said, there's still a lot of things that have to get sorted out here before they get this locked in. Jacob Bedell is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Jacob, the big story this fall has been the Nebraska budget shortfall and the budget shortfalls of other teams in the Big Ten. So with this tournament, is Nebraska allowed to go negotiate their own TV deal to get this televised? Yeah, that uh, I'm, that's a good question. I didn't even really thought about that because um, typically uh, a lot of like the Myrtle Beach Invitational, that's an ESPN deal. So that kind of takes care of your um, TV coverage there. And a lot of the times um, these, these events that aren't on the big networks, they kind of work out their own streaming uh, availability. Uh, I remember a couple years back watching um, tournament on like via stadium. Um, there's some that just stream on online, like each of the, the, these kind of MTE events sort out their own way to televise their games or um, at least stream them. So we'll see, um, based on the report, Nebraska isn't necessarily putting this together itself. It's uh, bringing someone else in to put together the event that will be played in Lincoln. So they're playing host, but they're not organizing the tournament necessarily directly themselves. So um, I guess it'll, it'll come down to who that um, who that is they bring in to kind of put this together and what their connections are and kind of how all that works out in terms of television. But um, that in terms of the money part of that, I'm not really sure how exactly that's going to work out. We'll have to see kind of, again, once we get more details on how exactly they're going to do this. Jacob Bedilla is joining us. Said Jacob Bedilla underscore. Catch him on, with Hale Varsity dot com and magazine and on Twitter. So uh, we've got a couple minutes here, Jacob. A thought here as as we get closer to, to hoops season. Hunter Salas and uh, and Trout out of Grand Island. Any feel or lean that you're uh, that you're hearing? I mean, both kids are just continuing to get crazy offers, and they're super talented. And you've seen both of them. Up close, uh, you gotta you gotta feel it all right now as they get uh, get ready to tip things off for another season. Yeah, um, with, with Hunter, I, I think the 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 um, the extension of the recruiting dead period certainly hurts, and I don't. It certainly wasn't um, didn't come as a surprise, but I think um, I'm sure he was still hoping to try to squeeze in some business at some point before making his decision that obviously won't happen now. Um, so that complicates matters for him. He's a, a guy like him doesn't necessarily have to sign during the early signing period. When you're a five-star, you can kind of pull this, draw this out as long as you want. If the team feels good about its chances, it's going to leave a spot for you. So he could, if he doesn't feel comfortable right now, he could draw this out. But also, at the same time, a lot of kids do like kind of getting that decision made before their senior year and um, just having that pressure off them and uh, so they can just go and have fun and um, ha- have a good season. So I, I haven't talked to him recently. If I, I'm not sure if, um, how things have changed. Obviously, he's kind of narrowed down to that top 12 at least, so that was kind of the next step. So it'll be one of those 12, but uh, <laughs> in terms of when and um, which school, I'm still not quite sure on that. Isaac Trout, um, I felt pretty good about Creighton um, and their chances early on, and I still feel like they're going to be in it as well. And I do know that uh, I think uh, his visit with Nebraska went well, and I feel like uh, Fred Hoiberg kind of 
made a good connection there in terms of like uh, showing how Isaac can be a really good fit for Nebraska's system. But now we're starting to see Blue Bloods and other high-level programs start to get in the mix with Isaac as well. And he's only a 2022 kid, so we still got a whole nother year, um, a whole nother summer to go through for him to continue drawing attention. And so um, that one's still uh, a long ways off here. And but it's certainly looking like it's going to be a lot more difficult, a, a lot uh, more contentious recruiting battle um, moving forward than maybe um, any of us thought early on. Jacob Padilla is with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore. Keep up with him uh, for the latest on the Nebraska bubble and, uh, of course, uh, the prep scene with uh, Tremendous Hoops insight. Jacob, good to spend a few minutes with you. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Yeah, sounds good. Take care. There he is, Jacob Padilla. Jacob giving a dose of real with uh, just the difficulty of pulling this bubble tournament off. Good from Good to hear from him. Uh, Jock Doc's on the way. Slew of NFL injuries to discuss. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on AFR City Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back with you, Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, and Dr. Ben Woodhead with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Dr. Ben, what a, a week two in the NFL where you had just a litany of impactful injuries from Nick Bosa to Saquon Barkley to Drew Locke, Jimmy Garoppolo, and uh, of course McCaffrey. What's going on with the NFL? I don't know. I don't know if it's coming from the rest and not doing anything during COVID or it was just a perfect storm where all these guys were in a situation where they, uh, you know, they injured herself. It's a violent sport as we know. It is. And take me through just some of your knowledge with, with the NFL and uh, how close you've been to it in your life with not only looking at Barkley and Bosa specifically, they didn't play at all during the 2019 preseason. You've had padded practices. They were reduced this summer, uh, but prior uh, reductions in practice time, is that leading to, to more injuries? Is this just kind of freak of situation with everyone's rolling up on one another? Or is it more likely that the lack of contact and you kind of rush into this has caused some injury, some of the injury? What's your take on things? It certainly does make you wonder, doesn't it? Because the only thing we, you know, have to compare to is this one time where we didn't really have a training camp where these guys haven't trained like they have in the past. And then all of a sudden we're having these injuries. It does make you wonder that if these these guys not doing contact and then all of a sudden going live or out here and there's all these injuries. Um, we just don't have another time really in the history of sports to compare to where people haven't had a preseason. You haven't had four preseason NFL games where these guys are gradually getting back into the swing of things. So, um, you know, and you also don't know during this COVID time, how were all these guys training? I'm sure, you know, these guys are all, you know, professional athletes. And you would think that most of them are training um, to the level that they would be if they are working with, the team but you know you never truly know it so it does make you wonder when you have so many injuries in these first couple weeks of the season we're talking at least you know four acl injuries and i know we talked recently about acls but from a position standpoint 
I mean, you've got an injury from Solomon Thomas. He's the number three pick for the Niners. They got decimated with that front, and, and that front got them to a Super Bowl. Nick Bosa, an ACL as well. Saquon Barkley, an ACL where he had to be helped off. So uh, spend a minute here. You've got a couple of defensive linemen and a running back. The impact uh, it'll have on on their position group. You know what kind of a, I mean, Bose is a walking freaking muscle, right? And he's so good at running down the quarterback and also stopping the run. And then Barkley, with his explosiveness, things have shifted, haven't they, when it comes to ACLs and, and recovery, when it comes to keeping your explosiveness? Absolutely. I mean, how we repair or reconstruct ACLs nowadays, I think the techniques have improved greatly, but, you know, you're still taking, um, you know, a ligament that was kind of designed and functioned in a certain way, and you're taking a man-made reconstruction to do this after um, these, these athletes tear it. So, you know, a lot of people come back better than ever with ACLs, but it's still not kind of how God designed it. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then the recovery, there's really no no faster recovery in the sense that you're waiting for this new ACL to heal. And so there's really no pushing the limits in terms of time, in terms of time for these. And so you just have to wait the time. These guys are all going to be out the season. It's certainly going to affect the teams and the depth. Um, you know, not every team has the amount of depth um, that the other, that the other Super Bowl contenders have. Dr. Ben Woodhead is with us at Junk Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. So you have a high ankle sprain with Christian McCaffrey. He gets the ball 600 times a game. He'll be out for an extended period here. That's That high ankle sprain is, is brutal. He had an MRI Monday and confirmed that uh, it's going to keep him out several weeks. But that high ankle sprain, how tricky is that to treat and what, what type of what type of work can you do to, to make it better if you're McCaffrey? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, different different than a lower ankle sprain, which, you know, you kind of wait there mm-hmm. already and gradually get back into things, depending on how severe it is. These high, high ankle sprains, they can last weeks and, you know, even months. You know, we remember we've talked about Tua in the past, you know, mm-hmm. where they kind of prophylactically did surgery on these. Um, you know, that I don't think it sounds like McCaffrey is going to be going down that route, but... Um, you know, it's gradually getting back into weight bearing, letting the swelling go down, resting as much as possible. Because if you if you hurry the process, you know, it certainly could set him back. And then you're talking about more games that he's going to miss. And for guys like this, every week matters. You know, every week that he's not out there, um, you know, it's a potential problem and a potential loss for each team. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Uh, a sprained AC joint, Drew Locke suffered that as he got uh, rushed and then planted and then landed on. Uh, what's what's that look like for the right shoulder of a quarterback? Locke, Locke has been pretty good, and I know Denver's sputtered a bit, but man, uh, he got he got drilled, and that AC joint's no joke. No, and those, you know, same thing for an AC joint, you know, time is going to be of the essence there. You know, there's varying uh, severities of AC joint injuries. You can get to the point where you tear all the ligaments, and that actually requires surgical fixation. Sounds like his is not that type of injury. However, he still has to wait for it to heal, and he's going to be sore, and range of motion is going to be tough, and, and any type of movement with that upper body, you know, it's it's going to take time. And so um, taking back 
basically throwing for a while is going to be the key and just to let that thing rest. This was interesting. Interested to get your take here on Tyrod Taylor. Now, Justin Herbert did really well for the Chargers against the Chiefs, but you had Tyrod Taylor who suffered a bit of a rib injury. And then he had a, this chest injury uh, had to deliver him to the hospital. During warm-ups, he was having trouble breathing. And uh, the injury report Friday said it was a rib issue, although there were no suggestions he'd missed the game. So what do you make of, of Taylor's breathing issues before kickoff and uh, going to the hospital? What's that sound like? I know it certainly makes you wonder whether he had type or had type of some ligament issues between the ribs or whether he had a subtle crack or, or took a hit there. Um, certainly all those things could affect the breathing. Um, you know, there's really no quick fix for that either. Uh, I'm sure they took him there just as a precautionary, make sure that there was nothing more severe going on, um, especially, you know, with all the other things going around with COVID and everything. I'm sure they have a heightened awareness to any type of lung issues or any shortness of breath. So I'm sure there are a variety of reasons that they were alarmed with that took him to the hospital. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us at Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a litany of injuries across the NFL. And you do have some hamstring issues. Dr. Uh, Dr. Ben, a, a quick thought here, about 30 seconds. Uh, hamstrings are no, uh, they're so temperamental, but uh, they should be able, for some of these wideouts, the soft tissue stuff, uh, you should be able to get back on the field sooner rather than later, would you figure? Yeah, I think they see, certainly can sooner than later. Um, but these are nagging injuries as well. And this certainly could be a component of, you know, not doing high-speed running or um, maybe not training as well during the COVID. And then you come back to, to sprinting and playing at that higher level. It certainly places at an increased risk there for injury. Dr. Ben, we'll talk again. Thanks for the time today. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Wednesday, be sure to get the podcast downloaded. iTunes, subscribe, give us a rating, send us, send us some comments. Or just go to HailVarsity.com. You can go to ESPNLincoln.com for the on-demand podcast, ESPN Lincoln Twitter handle. Elijah's going to get that hooked up with some of our interviews today. And the two-minute drill, the SoundCloud portion, some of the best comments from our, our guests on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle. A reminder that over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involve an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed, or high. Never acceptable law enforcement officers working every day to stop before more people are killed or injured on the roadways. If you are going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Elijah, what's on the, uh, the docket tonight? Uh, I got some pickup basketball to go play before, uh, before Heat Celtics. So, so what's what's your prediction here? Is does the Heat? Oh, I thought you were talking about pickup basketball. I was like, I'm going to go off for at least 15 points. Yeah, I would but. say you're. Yeah, I wasn't. I, <laughs> quite honestly, don't take this wrong. I don't care how many <laughs> points and rebounds you get. You're probably the tallest guy on the court. Oh no, no, actually, we have this. One of my friends is like six five, but he's not okay. good at basketball. But he just snatches boards. It's not okay. fair. He's a roll guy. Yeah, he misses all his shots inside. But let me tell you Can what, he, he dunk? Get a rebound. 
No. At 6'5", he can't dunk? Yeah, he, he can touch rim, but he can't dunk. Really? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like he, he's not an offensive just dominator, but he can get boards. I guess. Yeah, if I was 6'5", and I couldn't dunk. What are you, 6'3"? Uh, I'm about uh, between 6'2 and 6'3". Can you? No. Could you, could you at one time? I could touch rim at one time. Okay. Back like freshman year of college, I could touch rim, but... Not anymore. I, I haven't been doing my squats recently. That that's fine, brother. I'm just just asking. You know, my, my lifelong dream. Did you play is hoops at all in high school? In high school, no. I, I quit basketball in like sixth grade. I was not good. Hands problem. Um, conditioning problem for sure. You're a fat kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hated running up and down the court, dude. <laughs> in the court, hated you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna play pickup basketball, but back to the prediction side of things. Heat go up 3-1, or you think Boston storms back? I like the heat in this one. I know Boston's got Gordon Hayward back, and he, he's a he just brings he's more great. Options he's to their just offense. injury prone. He, he but he brings a lot of options to their offense. But the Heat coming off a four day rest. Whenever you saw them play the Celtics, uh, whenever they were coming off the big rest after their series against the Bucks, they played really well in Game One. Now they get another four days of rest. I think they come back with energy and try to try to kind of finish off the series tonight. I know it's 2-1, but 3-1 is insurmountable unless you're the Nuggets. You're pleased about your Nuggets. That was a last great night. game last night. I, I was I was fully clinched for the fourth quarter. Um, I, I was very scared when the Lakers made that run, but hey, Nuggets got it done. Got it to three? Hey, nuggets and seven. You heard it here first. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> you uh, get a couple big threes from Murray. Mm-hmm. Push that three-point lead up to, to nine real quick like. So, yeah, that thing could go seven. We'll see. Greg Smith will probably disagree. Oh, he'll for sure disagree. Adamantly with you on that. But I mean, no. Nuggets could have won game two. It was an Anthony Davis buzzer beat. A great shot. Props to him. But it could easily be 2-1 right now, Nuggets. Well, you'll get Boston-Miami on ESPN Lincoln in a little while. And some of our uh, affiliates also will have that coverage for you. Back tomorrow, live at Seacrest, ahead of Southeast East. Hail Varsity on the road tomorrow.